ladies and gentlemen. We're here coming to you on delay, recorded at a previous time for your listening convenience. It is AP here and my other host. It's Corday. Hey, mate. Hey, Corday. How's it going? Uh, for those That's of you good. who are under a rock, this is another episode of The Sidelines where we basically comment from the sidelines, hence the name. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm taking the reins over for another week. We'll see how this goes. It's a, it's a loose thread. But to start off with, apologies to all who did not uh, see the comms, but Cordo was down for the count after a horrendous not-COVID-related sickness. Yes, absolutely obliterated with what could only be described as like a smoker's cough on steroids. Yeah, we did We did sort of have a bit of a go and think that there was a chance that Cordo might have sounded like a really cool blues singer for quite a while, <laughs> but uh, it was not worth the spluttering and we're not good enough at editing to take that out later. Yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to remove 97 coughs out of a single podcast, but also who the hell wants to listen to someone just cough the house down in their head? Just change that. Though. We'll go look at the charts and in the top 10, there'll be some guy coughs for 10 hours straight, <laughs> leading, leading <laughs> the charge. Uh, but no, good to have you back on board, mate. And uh, it's been a big few weeks. It has. So we, we didn't get to talk about the, the new season and the kickoff, which I don't know about you, uh, kind of snuck up on me, but AFL is back. Yes, Aussie footy for those out there that haven't yet got around it, but you should by now. Like if you're around the world, you've got to get into AFL just because if you haven't seen it, it'll probably freak you out to watch it. Uh, but yes, the pride of our nation is back on our TV screens. And look, there is only a certain amount of tickets left on the train and I've willingly hopped off the train. I've had my <laughs> fill. I'm done. There is no ball football for me. So the canvas is open for somebody else to jump on board. But um, <laughs> but did you actually watch any games? So the, again, we, we always talk about things that were different, but um, typically we've gone to the first game the last couple of years or in the first couple of weeks, but... Um, it was cool sort of seeing people back at games. It was because, yeah, we, we like many sports, had to do a kind of no fans thing. But in Australia, we did a hub thing. So we shoved all of the teams in northern Queensland and the top east side of Australia. And it was strange seeing the MCG, the stadium that we all kind of love, being like pretty, not filled, but still with a loud enough presence of humans without masks on. It's kind of nice. No, it was really good. And and look, I think one thing that is probably shocking from my point, as I am the greatest pessimist known to man, but uh, it was actually a pretty good good round of football. It was. I I know. I can hear the surprise in your docile tones there, Cordo. But uh, no, I think for the most part, a few of the things have been changed from the last year of that low scoring and... You know, some of the teams went out there and went, you know, we've got to score now, so we're going to go do it. Well, and I think it was, you know, they they created rules or twisted rules to allow for more scoring. So, I mean, I, I managed to sneak to the MCG and watch my beloved Fremantle Dockers get pantsed by the Melbourne Demons. And even though we lost, I do remember sitting in the stands and going... As much as I don't like these rules, 
the footy seems to be going down forward easier and teams are scoring easier. So you and I both know full well that within at least six weeks, three of the clubs will have figured out ways to manipulate this to not score. Yeah, 100%. I'm giving it six weeks. Yeah. But uh, I am interested to see if we go a little bit longer. But, it's, I mean, it's still good to see. Yeah, and it was nice. <clears throat> like you said, it was after a long time, it was nice to actually feel like something that we maybe have taken for granted as like our winters. You know, like for all of us. And I'm sure it's the same in the States and Europe with soccer, football, in the US with football, gridiron for Aussies that don't get the terminology. There's something cool about your winter sport being back because I feel like it makes our weekends better. You know, winter sucks. Yeah, so going to the pub and having beers, being rugged up with your mates, or even just being at home in your trackies. Like watching cricket for us or tennis in summer, in your shorts, you're always sweating the house down, and especially us because we've grown up like in our 20s. You're in like a uni house, college house. You tend to not have elite aircon pumping 24-7. So <laughs> you're, you're pretty much in a house where your couch is vinyl. It's not leather. <laughs> so <laughs> you sweat the house down in shorts and like a, a stolen singlet that you had for a high school basketball team. And there's mozzies and shit everywhere. But winter, you can just be in your trackies, under your blanket, sinking cans and eating shit food. And there's something comforting about that. And also, like, cricket's not a very, for the most part, you don't sit down and be excited to watch eight hours of test cricket. I mean, you can, but typically yeah. it ends up becoming a bit of a background noise for large segments of it. Yeah. Whereas footy, you are watching. You, you know, you're turning on the football to watch. Yeah, that's it. I remember seeing a hilarious meme and it was like, me watching cricket in summer and me watching golf in winter. And it was just photos of dudes asleep in like different positions <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> it was like golf third hole on his side, golf seventh hole, like face down, drooling. Like, <laughs> But you refuse to give up and turn it off and go to bed. I'm watching this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's something about footy being back that it is pretty good. Like, despite all the other shit that goes on around it. So the big one, did you notice the big omission of the lineup? Our man. Did not notice our beloved slash despised commentator Bruce McAvaney's absence. Not at all. And you know how, you know what? Uh, in hindsight, I noticed because I don't remember cringing every time Dustin Martin went near the footy for Richmond. Yeah, I feel like my speech has changed slightly. I'm using less rhetorical questions in my day-to-day. Um, so that's nice to bleed that out of yeah. my system progressively. He's so special, isn't he? Ugh. <laughs> uh, and look, the other one which I wanted to, our, our other perennial man to go after because he just asked him himself. But I actually thought that Eddie stopped being uh, the main man at Collingwood, but I don't think he's done yet. Wow. No, because he's in the news again, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's having a crack at Port Adelaide for their 150 year old jumper, which he kind of he doesn't like raising that <laughs> at all. It's like a they want to use our jumper; they're older than you. Yeah, but it's our jumper. 
we we must be the one of the only countries where we've got like a club president that was kind of like Donald Trump, where he's been removed from office, but he's doing almost like official media release from the ex-president of the Collingwood <laughs> Football Club. You know, like he's trying to stay relevant with press releases. And Collingwood are going to have to do that thing where they go, uh, Mr. Maguire's statements do not reflect the intention of the club at this time. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> like when Joffa, their fan, like said some ballistic racist crap and they all of a sudden had to go, he's not an employee of the club, nor does he represent the views of the club. <laughs> uh, but look, I think to not wreck ourselves and to keep everybody happy, we're not going to dig and throw too much shade at the AFL. But it is good to be back. We'll see how we go week two. Yeah. I will premise that I'm salty that... Well, not salty. I'm my my same level of I hate football just because the Bombers lost again, which I've just grown accustomed to. So it's like it's like when you just have this many cuts, can you even be hurt anymore? Can you even bleed anymore when there's no blood <laughs> left? <laughs> You're like an emo band, that, but they've released their 17th album. Like, where do you go from here in terms of depressive music? It's just, you just recutting tracks now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you just got best of after best of after best of. You've run out of ways to set up your fringe for the album cover, and you've run out of words from the thesaurus to describe sad or whimsical. <laughs> but look, we were supposed to do this last week, but due to your. Uh, ailment we weren't able to but we made mention to us continuing on what we labelled Goat Week so similar yep. to Shark Week but without the budget and the slow-mo cam uh, <laughs> where we talk about all things greatest of all time related Yeah. so taking a bit of a different start well, we'll come back to the sporting context but that gets a bit boring so I presented Cordo, a bit of a challenge out there. For some, and no, I had a bit of a look myself. But movies that could have been the GOAT if it wasn't for another movie. <laughs> so, it was. A, I, I premised that this was a bit of a loose framework. Um, again, I didn't really set the parameters properly. Uh, I didn't really <laughs> read, do any research. Uh, but the whole intent was that um, if it wasn't for this other thing's existence, this thing would have been really good. So... The main, main one that I could really think of um, was a movie called Deep Impact, <laughs> which for those of you unaware, I'm going to play it up that it was probably the summer of 2001 or 1999 or somewhere around that time. <laughs> um, uh, big, the, mo the movies at the time, which we don't really get anymore, it's kind of boring, uh, natural disasters were it. Yeah. We're all going to die. Uh, we don't yeah. know when, but we're going to tell you how. Uh, and Deep Impact was the, effectively the asteroid coming into Earth, massive floods. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the premise of it. And the big Deep Impact thing was we've got a big shelter where the most important people in the world are going. There's a bit of a lotto, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, great concept in theory. However, at the same time, Armageddon came out. Yes. So... Uh, I would say these are they're the same. They're effectively the same movie. Just one of them was done by Jerry Bruckheimer, so it has more slow mos. Yeah. Um, they also had Aerosmith, big tits. Yeah. So again, 
the, this is sort of the same setting where Deep Impact probably could have been the goat of this movies if it wasn't for Armageddon absolutely stitching it up. Yeah, and also Armageddon had like Bruce Willis and a young Ben Affleck, so they probably had a little more. They just had a couple more tricks up the sleeve. Yeah, and like Steve Buscemi as the kind of like, the, you know, like you always need a funny weird guy. In every crew in a movie, there's a funny weird guy. They had him. Um, I mean, was that the one where they were like, the only way to stop the meteor was they had to like dr- land on it and drill a hole in it and put a nuclear bomb in the meteor while it was heading towards Earth? Uh, you are correct, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What a ridiculous... I can't believe really saying it out loud. It's absurd. Mind you, they didn't use the NASA guys. They got the best oil rigger guys, which is Bruce and Bruce and team. That's the best, right. The best oil rigger guys to go to the, the asteroid to drill the hole to drop the nuke. Holy shit. So, just, you know, that that's Armageddon. But then again, you are right, but... Morgan Freeman was in Deep Impact. Yeah. But that was really about it. Yeah. Elijah Wood, but that was before, you know, he was in that weird sort of stage where he wasn't like quite Frodo. Yeah, pre-Lord of the Rings, Elijah. I'll admit I actually don't really remember Deep Impact. I remember skimming through it just because I was like, you know, once you've had, once you've had the best burger in existence, do you really want the offshoot? Yeah. I just remember Armageddon because it was so absurd. Oh, it was it, insane. Was it Michael Bay? Yeah, Michael did, Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, yeah. So like, and like for people out there, Michael Bay who did like Transformers and like Bad Boy Twos. I mean, Bad Boys Two is the most insane action film ever when the, you watch it. The like, man knows how to do a wide shot with some explosions. The man yeah. knows what he's doing. And have amazing slow-mo pans of leading male characters who are faced with some sort of adversity. And the only way they prepare for the adversity is staring silently off into a sunset. I feel like I want to be in one of his movies just so I get that slow pan look off into the distance. Because it's so good. Yeah. Like, in Transformer, he had perfected it where, um, you know, Megan Fox and... I mean, it looks straight from... uh, Will Smith, you know, they get out of the car, look off into yeah. the distance, music swelling. Yeah. The subtitles are going off. You know when they do the brackets and it's not what's being said? They're like, gazes like distantly in- off into the future like something badass is going to happen. Like, yeah. It's got all that kind of shit. And it's always got like this sort of Dr. Dre slash orchestral, like... As the camera pans. But then it goes to the like... Yeah. I love it. Uh, but yes, Armageddon, which now I remember Ben Affleck was popping Liv Tyler, who was Bruce Willis's daughter. That is correct. And Bruce Willis didn't know about it and then discovered it and then nobly like sacrifices himself at the end of the movie so that Ben Affleck can make it back to his daughter. And if I'm correct... Is that the ridiculous movie where he he saves them and he sort of stays to die and he does the cle- where he like sits down on the meteor or something and nah, like watches I, the earth before he dies? No, nah, I don't think that happens. That's okay. not that. Maybe there's another movie. 
But yes. But look. Oh god. But look, that that is that is the premise of the goats that could have been. So yeah. I've set the scene now, Cordo. We've gone through yes. the first one. I want you to take us. What's your the next? What could have been? Well, if we're on that subject of like those absurd kind of like movies back then that sort of sparked a trend, we've got to go Dante's Peak and Volcano. Amazing. Jewel volcano themed disaster movies released within the space of six months of each other. How pissed off would you be when you've you finally like got you've you got this script in and you're like volcanoes. No one's done shit about volcanoes. And then suddenly it's like what? what what are you doing? Is that is that a volcano? Oh what are the odds? Yeah, you're right. Like it's almost like the scriptwriters like live across from each other. They're like rival neighbors. <laughs> you know, like are you are you want to make a movie about volcanoes? I'll make a movie about volcanoes. Oh, oh, you can write this fast. I'll write it. I'll write it faster. Yeah. Who's starring in yours? Tommy Lee Johnson. Fuck Tom. I'm get Pierce Brosnan. Goldeneye. James <laughs> Bond. So for those who can't remember the loose premise of both of them. Mind you, there's, there's not a whole there's not a lot of premise to it. <laughs> what premise? Uh, t- what what is what is the substantial uh what what is Dante's peak and what is volcano? Uh they're volcanoes <laughs> that are erupting and threatening people. I want a little bit more than that. What's the what's the uh, so, I, I can't remember Volcano's plot beyond it's a volcano, but I can re- I remember Dante's Peak as Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton from Tra- Terminator 2. And they're like up in some sort of like Colorado-y style town or something. And it's one of the old like, this thing's going to blow and no one believes them that it's going to blow. That old classic. You know, like there's a meteor coming. Oh, crazy Tony. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like this one's another one of those. You got to listen to me. It's going to erupt. Yes. So that, that is exactly, the, that is Dante's peak. It's the, you know, this thing hasn't gone off. Oh, oh, that, oh Dante's peak. She's been dormant for a billion years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, People been saying that volcano's gonna blow for a for seven generations. <laughs> but one elite thing, I will come back to volcano because I do know yeah. the loose story of it. But Dante's peak has Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, and this is peak Pierce. This it was is, Golden Eye, James is, Bond Pierce. Yeah, where that man's hair, my God. Yeah, he was too handsome to be a volcanic scientist. Oh, but he nailed it. He did now. <laughs> Just put him in khakis and have him telling people it's going to erupt. <laughs> <laughs> so, volcano. The big, the big kicker for volcano was it's in Los Angeles. It's in the city. Ah, that's right. So it's all about it. It's all underground and all this sort of stuff. And they've got to use not to wreck it for anyone, but it's all about the the sewer system and the the rain overflow to re-divert the lava before it wrecks all this shit. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much it. And the whole thing is they've got, they find out about it. The big reveal is those old school tar pits they have at the, um, like the outdoory dinosaur museums are actually becoming live tar because of the volcano. Oh my God. I remember too much about that movie, but that's, that's pretty much it. But, Again, would you say Volcano would have had a greater case to be the best Volcano movie 
of all time without Dante's Peak. Yeah, potentially. But we'll never know because Dante's Peak just Killed uppercut it. it. Yeah. It's not even a fair fight. But then, like, I met, like again, there were so many spin-offs around it because then Twister came out. I feel like Twister was a fraction. It was all in the same ballpark. Yeah. Na- natural, disasters, natural disasters were it. And it was all about like 90s computer nerds showing off what they could do with like really data, dodgy data and stuff. And then also the production companies showing off what real degrade CGI they could generate back then. Twister was a good movie. Was that, was that the one with Helen Hunt when the famous scene where the cow flies across the highway? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. also it's also got the uh, the guy to Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights, who I can't think of his name right now. Ah, yeah, and didn't it have um, the dude from? Uh, I can't even remember either. The guy from Aliens. Yes, you are Bill Paxton right. or whatever his Bill name Paxton. is. Bill Paxton, bang on. Yeah, one of those like Tom Arnold kind of guys that is in all these classic movies, but you're not really sure how or why or. He's got a high percentage, high percentage odds of being in the movie as the guy. Yeah. But not the main guy, just the side guy. Yeah. Um, What else we got? All right. So I've got another one for you. This one's not a real deep cut. Yeah. Again, I might not have done as much homework as I anticipated. Ants versus a bug's life. Which, that was the original, I think, when Toy Story came out and everybody scrambled to make animated movies. And those two bad boys came out together. If I remember, Ants was like Sylvester Stallone. Yep. And A Bug's Life had... It'll come to me. I can see you're Googling on the camera. I'll let you Google the cast. But it had famous people too. Yeah, that that was that was the start of obviously the back of um, Toy Story. But getting famous people into your into your movies, you had you had to have famous stars. It was yeah. everything you needed. It had um, who probably doesn't age very well now, but Kevin Spacey is the main one in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look that because that was the big thing where it was still like Pixar versus. Um, DreamWorks and the other studios, you know, they That's still right. they hadn't really combined yet. So it yeah. was all like, we're going to try to do one. And obviously they take a long time uh, and they still take a long time now, I assume. Yeah. Uh, but they, I wouldn't say A Bug's Life was a knockout, let's be fair. Um, but again, Ants just never gets the respect. Yeah. And we'll never know because the better of the movie wipes it all out. I've got a modern one that I just thought of. Go for it. Oh, this shit is still happening. E, uh, White House Down and the Olympus Eagle, has fallen. Olympus has fallen. Yes. Same same guys. Like, pretty, Morgan Freeman could have been the president in both of them. How did that happen? Like within a month of each other, the White House getting taken over by terrorists and a, a heroic bulk white guy rescuing. <laughs> So we're going to go off. These these ones are a bit more deep because they're more uh, political. But okay, Star Trek versus Star Wars. Oh. I mean, I I hands down say Star Wars is way better. Oh, I'm with you, and that's that's the way we tend to lean. But 
wouldn't you say there is a case that Star Trek would have been the elite sci-fi genre if it was not for Star Wars? Star Wars came in and kicked it out. Because Star Trek yeah. was just far too aimed at genuine, like, it was full nerd culture, whereas Star Wars is a bit more approachable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, And, yeah, and, like, weirdly, it splintered the two products forever. Never a the little, same. Yeah, a little bit like Dante's Peak and Volcano. <laughs> like, they're essentially the same thing, but you're one or the other. You either like your volcano erupting in a city scenario or you prefer a rural scenario. With the sharp-looking Pierce Brosnan just out of the back of Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. But then, you know, in terms of the modern movies, the modern Star, Star Trek movies are way better than the new Star Wars series. Yes, yeah, Probably also helps that they just didn't copy the old ones, but that's neither that's not either this discussion. <laughs> that is neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a nice little segue into the TV land. Yep. Friends versus Seinfeld. Ooh. I mean, I love Friends. I've got Friends as my goat one. But you're right. If either or didn't exist, would they have have as much hype because I f- they did bring each other up to another level. 100%. And they, because they attacked slightly different cultures a little bit, Friends was always seen as the more vanilla one, whereas Seinfeld was seen as the kind of like intellectual one. Yeah, you're a bit smarter if you like Seinfeld. Yeah, because you got the sort of like the more subverted messages and the sort of more awkwardy, weirder type of humour. See, the the only thing that I find different with Friends and Seinfeld is that there's there's actually three camps. There's the Seinfeld guys who are just like Friends is stupid. Just yes. Friends just Friends is stupid. That's it. Yeah. There's no other there's no other clause. The Friends guys who go, I never really got into Seinfeld. Yeah. That that's the response. It's not yeah. Friends is way better. Just just never got into Seinfeld. And the yeah. other one, which is probably more you and I, which is just I really like both, and Seinfeld has grown on me the longer you watch it, and probably the more I age. But I still (laughs) love Friends. But we're probably—I think we're in the minority. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah, I do like both, and Seinfeld. As I get older, I appreciate more and more. I mean, Friends still holds a place in my heart because I just feel like Friends just turned out so many just banger moments. I feel like I can remember more iconic moments in Friends, but then I look at Seinfeld and think there's a far deeper level of quality writing going on in here. Um, but they kind of have a similar formula a little bit where shit doesn't really happen. You're just watching a few people in their day-to-day do st- life. Do stuff. But they're heavily driven by some vanilla characters with stuff happening around them, a la like Jerry and Elaine and like Monica and Rachel. But then they have these like iconic doofus lovable characters with your Kramer and your Joey. But then the one thing that I think everyone forgets is how good a neurotic douchebag is who you give a pass to because you like them. And that's George and Ross. Like George Costanza and Ross Geller. Costanza's a more obvious douche. Ross, you have to like rewatch it now as an adult where you sit back and go, he's actually a dick they do but that's probably one thing that's friends fault is that they get a bit inconsistent on ross they go from he's a bit of a douche to um they're probably a bit harsh on him they like really stick the knives in 
but then and they take him away from being a douche just just a guy who's just just yeah. unlucky and all this sort of stuff <laughs> yeah but uh look i like both of them um and i do think that those two weirdly enough they actually shape most of the comedy sitcoms of the last 20 years yeah most i mean i look at how i met your mother and how i met your mother is both yeah because it doesn't ex- they that show doesn't exist without the both of those two shows but like I've never laughed more uncomfortably in my life than at George Costanza and Ross Geller doing stuff. Like Costanza when he shoves his girlfriend out of the way, fleeing the the fire, <laughs> you know, like or just the like in, insane like frustrations over money and who paid for what. Like it just it churns my stomach, and yet I laugh. Do you uh, think and Ross with his dating escapades is just. That scene when he wore the leather pants. Oh, and, and he, he can't was, get them back he on. He can't get them back on. It's just one of the most cringe things. When he walks out in her her lounge room and he's just covered in like powder and gel. <laughs> and he's on the verge of tears, but is equally not sorry in the slightest. <laughs> oh, this they're just the the one thing that I think of every time I rewatch him is I actually Hand on heart, I don't think either of them get made these days. No, they don't. Like, based on today's kind of wokey social standards, like, there's way too much stuff that would be deemed, like, hateful or bigoted or... There's that part of it, but there's also just, I don't think Seinfeld gets made because, you know, how's it going to keep the viewership? Like, you, you just picture execs being like, this doesn't, this formula doesn't work. Yeah. You know, we're going to have it, you know especially now the Netflix age, but we're going to have a show that someone needs to know the end of the show, of the story arc in 20 episodes. There isn't, there is no story arc for Seinfeld. Yeah, true. So basically the network could go, we kind of like it, but we want them to be 17 year old wealthy teens from the Hamptons. And you got yourself a show. Yeah. (laughs) And friends would be the same, but it's like, okay, but episode one, instead of Rachel getting married and moving in with Monica, Monica actually kills her. And then the whole series is like a teen mystery. <laughs> that's how that gets made. Look, Matt, I think that's our, our wrap up of goat movies. Yes. We're lucky. I nearly thought we we're going to go on a Pierce Brosnan deep dive there. Cause I was thinking about some James Bond movies today. Tomorrow never dies is such a good movie. Yeah. We we can rant about classic stuff. Like we're thirty minutes into this episode, and I feel like we've only been talking for like six minutes. And then I realize we've been going hard in the paint about nineties movie face-offs. I don't think I don't think Tomorrow Never Dies gets enough love in the James Bond scene. That's the one with uh, Jonathan. What's his name? Is the bad guy, and he's like the media tech. Yes. Dude. Yeah. Yep. And there's like the stealth boat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. It's a I mean, A, Pierce Brosnan is James Bond. And it was Terry Hatcher. It was Superman Terry Hatcher. Yep. Like when Superman got massive the T V show and Terry Hatcher became like megastar and they got Terry Hatcher in as the pretty Bond girl. It's awesome movie. Yeah, and Pierce was fizzing. Like he was he was an artificial human. Back then, I remember just looking at him going, he's not real. No the one's guy, that good looking. The guy, like, he is James Bond. 
I like everyone will go, Oh, I really like Daniel Craig as James Bond now. He's so rough and uh. Yeah. It's like, no. Pierce Brosnan is so suave that cheese cuts itself near him. He doesn't even need a knife. It's just like, yeah. don't worry about it, bro. I'm hooking you up. Like he is smooth. Yeah. And look, to be fair, the next couple of movies he was in started to get real ridiculous on the Bond front. Like the amount of double entendres was borderline ridiculous. Yeah, he'd got a bit like, would you like me to pop the cork on the champagne bottle? So how about I pop your cork? <laughs> like, yeah, it, was just, it got ridiculous. But those, the first, and the world is not enough as well. That was also, um, that was awesome. Oh, they're just awesome movies. That was the one with <laughs> the guy that had like a bullet edging its way towards his like cerebral cortex and he couldn't feel pain. Yep. Epic. And it was- and it also had the uh, the nuclear scientist uh, Christmas uh, Denise Richards. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Again, like when she was at her peak, before she hooked up with Charlie Sheen and lost the plot. Yeah, running running out of the nuclear test facility in because she was supposed to be like Serbian or Russian or something. That's uh, right. In like a white tank top, <laughs> <laughs> and like getting antsy about people making Christmas jokes about the name. And I'm like, well, you could just change your name because I wouldn't take a nuclear scientist seriously called that either. Yeah, A, you're a nuclear scientist and B, you're wearing the smallest tank top I've seen and your name's Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) All time. Oh, we'll come back to James another time because we're going to finish off Goat Week with some... We'll go back to the sports world just a little bit. Yeah. So, I've, in, I've entitled this bit of the segment, Goats in the Wrong Era. Yep. So, this would be any sort of caliber sports star that you put them in 90% of the other eras and they probably dominate and they're thought of far more fondly. Yes. So, my first example, I've got two examples and then I'll hand over the reins. Okay. My first one is Andy Roddick. Yeah. So, very good tennis player. Uh, he was world number one for that weird kind of gap where Pete Sampras and Agassi weren't as dominant. They'd, yeah. they'd still win, um, but they weren't holding on the mantle. And it was just before FedEx really rocked up. Yeah, uh, He was sort of lingering. Uh, basically, then Federer rocked up, and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> Roddick just didn't win ever again any time. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's probably true for basically most of the 2000s tennis players who just happened to exist in a realm where Federer and Nadal rocked up at the same time and never won again. Uh, but I think Roddick specifically because he was probably just a little bit hard done by. Yeah, and he then became like that dude we remember for having like a fairly bomb serve but just kind of was always adjusting his cap and pulling his sleeves up onto his shoulders. Maybe he's just constantly pulling his sleeves up. But you're right. He, yeah, he was a weird, like, hybrid between two generations. Yeah, and didn't get the benefit of either. Yeah, you're spot on. And And it's now kind of vanished. Yeah. That's Forgotten about. And look, my other one, who is still on the tour, legend guy. I think I like him more now than I did back then. Phil Mickelson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a bit of a douche early on. 
Yeah. But to be honest, probably definitely got ripped off by the fact that if Tiger doesn't rock up, I think he wins a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, think about how many big tournaments he just, it was always the press leading up to it was like, is this Phil's time? Oh. Nope. <laughs> so brutal. But uh, he, was, he wasn't really good fun to sort of listen or to watch early. Um, yeah. I think he's kind of accepted his place on where he is now. He's actually, he's, and he's really funny now. Yeah. But also, like, A, I love a man that appears to just always chew gum. He's constantly chewing gum. Have you noticed that? Yep. And he looks hell tanned. So I'm like, <laughs> he looks like a Greek shipping merchant. <laughs> and he's gone to the point where he's got so much cash. He doesn't give a fuck anymore about like my Callaway sponsorship and Nike. No, he's rocking like KPMG logos on his gear. Yeah, like, he's, he's, he's getting more checks. Yeah, he's got that is cash stashed in accounts that you and I have never heard of. I love it that the two big things that make me laugh about Phil is he released some videos. He's notorious for having giant calves. <laughs> giant calves. Yeah. He, he, he recently released like calf workout videos on like Instagram <laughs> and YouTube. And then he just decided... Uh, the start of the tour last year that he would play with aviators. Yeah. <laughs> and we're bl- right. all black. He's, he's nearly always all, he's, for the most part, he's always wore black. Um, yeah. Has black, he does funny things where he's wearing black gloves or two gloves, always black. But then, yeah, he just randomly was like, no, I'm wearing these aviators and, and this is it. There's nothing you can do about it. Didn't take them off to hit. They weren't, they weren't any type of golf improvement reflective yeah. glasses just he's just like i just look boss just yeah. <laughs> just let you look boss yeah so yeah you're right he he's like johnny cash he's like the johnny cash of the golf circuit just trudging doing his thing chewing gum like and weirdly sometimes shanking it sucks a bit because like he'll shank a ball into the water but then the next hole plays shots that you just kind of go like oh man he's a freak but yeah, like he he put up these. I don't know if he did or Callaway made him. Do, probably Callaway made him do it. Those like, you know, learn how to play your irons better with Phil. And it's just it's like a two minute video, and he basically just hits three shots. He goes, yeah, so that's how I do it. <laughs> just, just, I kind of aim there, and I, I'll shape it a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, dude, you meant to tell people how to shape it. <laughs> he's that's what that's why I like him more now because he's just funny. Yeah. And, like, how many Masters did he win? Two? Uh, I can't remember the top of my head. He's definitely choked a lot. Yeah, he choked a lot, but he's also won a crap ton of majors and tournaments. He's won a heap of tournaments. He's won, yeah, 44. Yeah. And five majors with three Masters. Yeah, three Masters tournament. Like, so that's the ultimate. That's, you know, get out of my way, boys. He's still got one more to go. Oh, sorry, two more. I don't think he won the British in one of the US Open. Uh, I can't remember if it's the US Open or the... Um, PGA Tour. PGA Tour, where he's basically had it on his club like five times and just yeah. chokes. Yeah. And look, we'll move on from Phil, but just while we're in the golf park, we'll probably be a bit more serious on this one, but I would say he's still a goat, but the shark... 
definitely would have been a goat if new golf clubs didn't get invented. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll give the context for this one where Greg Norman was, his one of his greatest strengths was his ability to hit driver uh, straight and long. Like he was a big hitter um, on the tour, like bigger than anyone. Like that was, that was how his game was built. But this was back in the day of the last era of golf clubs before all the oversized ones sort of started happening. It was like the yep. back end of actually hitting almost like woods, like literally made of wood. Yeah, they were like a wood head with like the kind of like string stitching almost at the base of the shaft. Yeah, it was kind of towards this era, probably overplayed a little bit. But basically what happened was once those clubs got superseded, everybody caught up to him because That's right. he didn't have to... He was so precise with it. No one else is as good as him. So I would say he's still a goat. Like he's won, like, I think he was over 90 tournaments. Like he's a jet. If you put him back a few errors before when everyone's still using those clubs, he wins a heap more. Um, or if you just had to brought him forward so he actually had time to use the new clubs, he would have definitely won a heap. Yeah. Exactly. Look, and he also did it wearing a gangster cowboy hat. Yeah. But look, there's there's my start of the the goats that could have been Cordo. Who you got for me? Um, yeah, and also like Greg Norman, another one who had guys like Nick Faldo winning tournaments around him that had these like freak swings that you've never seen again. He just, you're right. But look, Greg probably has a last laugh because he's worth like a half a billion dollars now. Yeah, he has some money in the bank. He has a boat the size of Tasmania. Yeah. Or s- Staten Island, <laughs> if you want to get like <laughs> It is insane. So I doubt he cares that much anymore because he's probably so wealthy that he has so many like yes men around him. Like his past is gone. You know what I mean? Like he, he's, nev- he's so powerful and wealthy. He's never going to be in a situation where anyone says, man, I can't believe you choked. You know what I mean? And he's built too. He'd be like 60 now. He's built like a... He's massive. Yeah, and not to get too X-rated, but as you would have seen in the news a few weeks ago, a photo of him jogging on the beach in wet uh, bather shorts made shockwaves around the world (laughs) due to, how do we say... uh, Matt Shervington style? Yes, his uh, personal... uh, Equipment? Yeah, Callaway Big Bertha driver that he, <laughs> <laughs> that he, and I think he was asked about it, and he just kind of gave a wry grin. I was like, "Yeah, he's comfortable." Um, <laughs> just quickly, Bill Russell, Boston Celtics basketball player, was it like eleven championships or twelve or eleven rings? Yep, eleven rings lit up Jerry West and the Lakers year after year after year. Probably like. If he'd played in the 80s, we'd probably have him on that level with Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, MJ, all those guys. He just played so far back that it's not enough for this generation or the one before it to to give him enough love. I think like purists kind of go, yeah, Bill Russell, Bill Russell. But if you ask them, they couldn't even tell you why. They just know he won a lot. Yeah. There's a bit of a like scene missing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that old version of uh, they're like that mythical neighbor sports player that 
you're that guy that wants like drop 78 in a street ball tournament. <laughs> like it's like mythical stories about him. Yeah, he definitely would. I wish he had been able to have around with some internet connection. <laughs> but then equally, like when I do see some of those clips of him, he's playing like 35 kilo, five foot nine white guys. And it just, it's nuts. Like, yeah, it kind of sucks when you see that. The the occasional frame that you see has that. Yeah, where he looks like an adult playing against children. <laughs> like church camp kids. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. I do have one more actually, Cordo. Fire it in. The goat that could have been in AFL. Richo, if he wins that brown low. Matthew Richardson. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to set the scene. 2008, the back end of Richo's career. Yeah. They moved him to the wing. It yeah. was awesome. It was probably one of the greatest things I've seen. And he dominated and came equal third for the brown low that year by two votes. Two votes. Yeah. If he wins that, I swear, if he wins that brown low, he is getting talked up hardcore. Because everyone kind of glosses over the fact that he played wing that year. He was, he was always the key forward. But he, yeah. He, 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 like, that was, you know, only Adam Goods had kind of been that guy that big to be able to run up the ground and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're right. And, it, like, <clears throat> it's not like he was this super fast, seemingly agile big guy. He always was kind of just the big lumbering key forward. Like he was he was quick. He had some wheels on him, but nothing like, not like LeBron James big power forward or Lance Franklin kind of thing. Like he was nothing like that. He was just a tall dude. So it would be like grabbing like, I don't know, David Robinson and having him play point guard and nearly winning the MVP as a point guard. Like, Richo had some... He had a tank, and he was moving and stuff. It was just... He was just making it happen. Yeah. And he was so volatile, and, like, anything could happen. Because equally, like, he could still kick seven balls straight on the target, but then put seven into, like, the popcorn stands. <laughs> oh, I just loved it. I just loved seeing Richo up there. That's a real goat when they're just a roll of the dice. Their but best he, is unbelievable. Their worst is terrible, but entertaining terrible. But he's taking hangers on the wing, like proper on the wing, not just lead up wing hangers, like proper hangers. Yeah. It's a what could have been. And he played in a shit teams his whole career. Oh. Yeah, not good times. But look, mate, I think, I think we've uh, been able to wrap up Goat Week into a condensed format where we got our... <laughs> Goatness out there before the start of the year. So yeah. um, from there, mate, I would like to say thanks again for overcoming your disastrous few weeks. <laughs> but uh, from there, guys, I'd like to say thanks, everyone, for listening so far. Again, as always, check out the Instagram handles and the Facebook and all those sort of things. If you do talk to your friends now that everyone's back in the office, make sure to mention that you are listening to the podcast at the water cooler, as is the chats that I had there. 
<laughs> but again, thanks again for today, Cordo. Thanks, mate. All right. See you guys. Take care.